special needs kid did something to the typical kid, the typical kid would react different than if one of their typical siblings did something to them, which in a way has been kind of cool because they have a lot more compassion and empathy at a young age than I believe I had because I didn't know anybody yeah. needs. I think my daughter knows a lot more than we give her credit for. We were at a party, a birthday party, and there were a bunch of kids like running around and my son went like up to them, not to play, but you know, to see what was going on. And she just got in front of him and she's like, this is my brother. He doesn't like being touched. No one touches him, you know, so they know. I think there's that like little protective instinct in her. Like she knows that he needs some extra. And like, if I'm not there, she's going to be the one to do it. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing why doctors get so dismissive to parents. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name is Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. And before I introduce you to our guests, let's start by sharing our community's code or preamble. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents raising children with all kinds of needs. We come, to, we come together to share our naked truth support our fellow parents and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For the parents that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. As we come to understand our divine nature, we realize that the things, that there's no need to feel sorry for ourselves, be angry or feel lack. We come to understand that our feelings of limitation and separation are only in our minds. Through self-realization, we expand our consciousness so that the challenges that perplex us today dissipate one by one until we're able to see and experience gratitude and beauty in everything just as it is. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. Esther and Jerry Hicks call it the science of deliberation, and we call it the answer to all of our prayers. So before we get to our show today, we're just going to take a second and sit up straight and find some quiet and calm, your spine vertical, and just slowly take a deep breath and close your eyes and focus your gaze, lift your gaze slightly to that space between your eyebrows almost like you're looking up towards the corner of the room with your eyes closed. And then just start being conscious of your breath and be conscious of your body and the noises coming from within the room or space that you're sitting in. I think it's easy to sometimes forget that meditation's about being conscious, not about having everything go blank. Although when that happens, it can feel pretty nice. 
So take a deep breath in and when you do, clench your fist and tighten your muscles and then hold that breath and visualize it holding at the top of your crown. So deep breath all the way in, tense your fist. Pull that breath to the top of the crown of your head and hold it. And then let go and relax. We'll do that two more times. Inhale and tense. Hold. Exhale, relax. Inhale, tense. Hold. And exhale, relax. Now we're gonna just inhale, hold with no tensing and then exhale. So inhale, hold, and exhale, exhale and let it all go. With that gaze between your eyebrows and your eyes closed, I'm gonna read a prayer. Heavenly Mother, Father, Friend, Great Spirit, divine consciousness, wondrous nature, and saints of all religions, we come together as brothers and sisters on a similar quest to better understand ourselves, our divine calling, and how to be the best versions of ourselves and parents for our children. We ask for guidance and the ability to accept life on life's terms. May each listener feel an inner sense of peace and calm in our hearts today. May we feel the love and spread love. Om, peace, amen. And then just sit there, let's sit here for another minute in meditation and just watch what comes across your mind. And remember that in this space, in the silence, the worries of the world can disappear. And when you're ready, slowly open your eyes and join us for our show today. Now that we have our space of peace. Joelle Klassen is with us today. She's our guest and I'm super excited to get to know her better and for all of you in Naked Parent Nation to get to know her as well. She's the mother of two. She's married to a husband who's in the military. She's a hairstylist and a wine consultant. Welcome yes. to the show, Joelle. Hi. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Where are you calling in from? Uh, New Jersey. Yay, New Jersey. Yes. Closer to Detroit where I came from, but not that close, I guess. So yeah, no, not too close. you. How old are your children? Two and four. Are either of them, do they have unique needs? Would you say any of them? Both of them, I would say have unique needs. My daughter has severe food allergies and my son has autism. I have unique needs too. So I, I think that makes I mean, I think we all do with I some level, makes, we all have some type of unique need, right? Yes. 
What are the ages? Two and four. Two and four. And the daughter's your four-year-old? Yes. How early did signs that you deal with today show up in their lives? Well, my daughter with the food allergies, it she was about six months old when she had her first reaction. It was to egg and her whole entire face just, well, she had a little tiny piece of scrambled egg and just her whole face swelled up. Wow. Scary. Yeah. I honestly, we were living in Texas at the time and I thought she got bit by something. And I was like, well, that's weird. I wonder if she got bit by a bug out here. And then a couple of days later, I gave her some peanut butter and just like head to toe hives. Egg, peanuts. Is that she? Outgrew egg. So right now she's only allergic to tree nuts, peanuts, and beets. Okay. Is everybody with a food allergy different or? Yeah. Oh, it's all different for everyone. So she has her unique. Yes. And uh, outgrew egg. And does she swell up? Her face swells up similar to yeah, that? Yeah, she'll go into a full anaphylactic shock. So it's like dangerous. Yeah, no, hers are like considered like forever life threatening. Wow. Yeah. So that um, keeps people uh, at attention, I would imagine, and especially in your yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, it does. With my son, it's a little more cut and dry because like, you know, just like, don't eat this and you should be okay. I think it's like a completely different level of needs with my son where it's like, you don't know what's going to be okay. Right. And how early did signs show up that looked different than what you were anticipating? Honestly, probably from when he was about four months, but I didn't pick up on any signs until he was about seven months. Did somebody point it out to you or? I know. I noticed when he was like six and a half closer to seven months, he wasn't sitting. Okay. Like a six month old should be able to sit and he just would flop right over. Right. But before then, he would roll himself and he when i tell you he would just roll and roll and roll and roll and roll and then roll and roll and roll and roll and roll and it would go on and we just thought he was trying to get somewhere i'm like oh he can't walk or crawl yet so he's just trying to get somewhere and it wasn't until he started occupational therapy that the therapist brought up she was like he was probably stimming Mm. and i was like oh yeah you're right he probably was Wow. So you're the one who sort of initiated the testing or just inquiring into. When I realized he couldn't sit, I called his doctor and I was like, hey, like something's up. He can't hold himself up. He should be able to do that by now. And he was like, let's put in for um, EI for physical therapy and see, like get the evaluation done and see where he is. He'll probably need it. And I brought him in. I'm like, something's like not right. And I was telling him like during the same appointment, I was like, he can't sit. I was like, and he's shaking his head a lot. Like he sits there and just shakes his head. He's like, oh, well, that's just normal. And I'm like, it's it's not, I'm like, it doesn't look normal to me. It does not look normal to me. And every appointment I would take him to the doctor, I would bring up the head shaking and he would just be like, it's normal. And I'm like, this isn't normal. I'm like, you don't understand what I'm telling you. This is not normal. Like, this doesn't look like what my daughter did. I remember it being so difficult because the first couple times that we brought it up in the doctor's office and they just said it was a delay or something dismissive. So I like the word dismissive. I was like, great. 
Great. Okay. It's not what I expected, but if it's just a short delay and, you know, a few weeks from now or a few months from now, we're going to be right on track, if you will, then that's cool. And it took a while for me to get the courage to sort of combat their expertise. And I think that that's difficult for parents in this vulnerable situation. If they have a doctor that's just kind of saying it's just a delay or, you know, it's normal. Is that the kind of experience similar to what you were dealing with? Yes. Yeah. He just, the doctor kept telling me he thought like he did diagnose him with developmental delay when he started the PT. He didn't say like what type. He just said like he has a developmental delay. We thought it was just physical. And I kept bringing up the head shaking with him. And then one day his physical therapist actually said to me, he's like, you know, he's a little delayed in his speech and some other areas, you should get another evaluation done. And I was like, okay, another evaluation wouldn't hurt. And yeah, he was right. He was a little more delayed than I think I realized. But I also think part of that was because I did bring it up to his pediatrician and he was telling me like, he wasn't pushing for him like he should have been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people have gone through experiences during that time period that are less than perfect, if you will. That's a terrible word to use, perfect. So now when you get this information at this early stage with your little baby, how do you react kind of emotionally to this whole new world you weren't expecting to learn about? A lot of this all happened before he turned one. He didn't get diagnosed until he was 25 months. Okay. So when I think he was about 14 months, I had brought him back to the doctor. Yeah, 14 or 15 months, I had brought him back to the doctor because I had finally got on video him doing the head shaking. And it was all throughout one day of him and it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen someone like Stim, like his eyes go to one side and then he would just shake his head repeatedly for like minutes on end. I was like, this isn't right. And I have a friend who's in a medical field and I sent it to her. I was like, does this look normal to you? And she was like, no, I don't like the way his eyes are moving. It's like I, his eyes shouldn't be doing that. And I was like, okay, I called the pediatrician the next morning. And I was like, you need to see these videos because something is like, something's going on. And they were like, all right, bring him in. And I showed the doctor and whoever, I forget whoever else was in the room, the videos. And like, I just saw his eyes get wide. And I was like, what is happening to my kid? And he was like, don't freak out. These could be mild seizures. He's going to have to go for an EEG. And I was like, dude, I've been telling you about this for months now. Mm hmm and like, granted, it's hard to judge something when you aren't seeing it firsthand. And I understand that. But like, if, if someone's like constantly bringing a problem up, like, wouldn't you investigate it a little bit more? Mm -hmm. And then I straight up asked him, I was like, does my son have autism? I was like, is this autism? Is this what this is? And he was like, I'm not going to touch that diagnosis with you until he's older. And I was like, why? He's like, we can't do it. Because we kept getting told it was delay, delay, delay. And now I'm wondering if there's something in not wanting to, you know. I think say, say they things did. 
like I think they hit a developmental milestone between 18 and 24 months that like I think a lot of this delay like evens out for lack of better term where they like it wouldn't be a diagnosis but I feel like that there are some kids like my son who's like he almost needed that diagnosis earlier mm -hmm. I can see that I we had five kids within six years of age so I ended up with I had three kids by the time we realized it wasn't a delay anymore that like so i think that that's just another variation of the chat you know the challenges that can play out if we don't advocate be the squeaky wheel you know keep pushing for our kids who knows how long you know if you didn't make that phone call back and say i got the video can we get on this i mean who knows how you know what i mean right how do you handle it like emotionally though? I mean, are you devastated? Are you like, we're just going to pick up and keep moving what happens? I'm kind of more of like, let's just like figure out what this is because if he needs help, I want him to get it now and uh -huh. not when he's like 10 and in school and like so far behind everyone else or like needing the help or too far to get the help he needs. That's what like, basically my thing was, it was more like, let's, get it taken care of i guess for yeah like let's do what we need to do for him and it wasn't until his um we moved from pennsylvania to new jersey and obviously switched doctors and it was at his two year the doctor literally walked in the room and he was like hi i'm your new doctor what's going on with his development and i was like you tell me because I don't know. I'm like at a loss right now because I've been bringing this stuff up with the other doctor for a year. And like, I feel like it hasn't gone anywhere. I was like, he's in early intervention. It was like one of the first things I set up when we moved here. Like as soon as we moved, he had his evaluations and started that. And he was like, that's when he was like, I think we need to start bringing up some type of spectrum disorder for your son. And I was like, okay. And I think like, then like actually hearing someone say it to me, that's when I was just like, oh crap, this is real. Yeah. How about for your husband? Do you guys handle things like this in a similar way? Do you have different ways of handling things like this? My husband, well, let's start with, he wasn't here when this happened. He had, we had moved to New Jersey in September and he deployed a few weeks later. So when the doctor brought up the spectrum disorder with me, he wasn't even here. He was in another country. Wow. So it's like kind of hard to communicate that news to be like, Hey, like this is like real. Like I'm first, he was like, I think you're being a little dramatic. I'm like, but I'm not like, he's not doing half the things. And like, obviously we both know as parents, you shouldn't play the comparison game, but you do. Yes. He was actually born the day before my daughter's second birthday. So they're like a day less than two years apart. So mm -hmm. to see that timeline or like the thing she was doing at the age he is that he's not doing, it's kind of like mm, something like granted, they shouldn't be doing the exact same thing, but he should be close to it. And he's not. I think for him, he thought I was being dramatic. I was like, no, like this is real. Like, this is something we, like, that's serious that, like, we're going to have to go get him to a developmental doctor to see what's going on. And do you have other support, family members, friends, anything like that? 
Yeah, I have my parents, they were here. They helped a lot through this whole thing. The, so the journey on with your son is, is a bit newer, right? I mean, yes. I guess the diagnosis is a bit newer. Yes, the diagnosis is very new. Have you felt alone or different than other people with typical kids? Or have you been able to stay connected with friends and family? How's that played out for you? I say connected. I don't necessarily feel different. I feel sometimes sad that like he's not doing the things the other kids do. He's not going to play with other kids. Like we can bring him in a room full of kids and he's not going to play with them. He'll sit around them, but he's not going to engage. And I think that was hard for me because my daughter would just go up and she'll go up and play with anyone she meets. Mm -hmm. How do the two kids interact or don't they? Good enough. They are brother and sister. So, you know, there, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed for my kids that if the typical kids did a normal sibling thing, like once they got a little older, if the typical, if special needs kid did something to the typical kid, the typical kid would react different than if one of their typical siblings did something to them, which in a way has been kind of cool because they have a lot more compassion and empathy at a young age than I believe I had because I didn't know anybody. Yeah. I think my daughter knows a lot more than we give her credit for. We were at a party, a birthday party, and there were a bunch of kids like running around and my son went like up to them, not to play, but you know, to see what was going on. And she just got in front of him and she's like, this is my brother. He doesn't like being touched. No one touches him. You know, so they know. I think there's that like little protective instinct in her. Like she knows that he needs some extra. And like, if I'm not there, she's going to be the one to do it. That's very sweet. Yeah. That's very sweet. How, so then I love the doctor's first question. Your new doctor, his first question is comforting. How's that experience with the new doctor been? Is it better or? A lot better. And every time we go, like we go for like other things, like completely unrelated and he'll just walk in. He's like, so how's he doing with his development? How's the speech coming along? Is he saying words yet? And I'm like, no, that's not why we're here, but thank you for remembering. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which is like great because like it's, it's hard to find someone so compassionate. Yes. I love that. I'm glad you found somebody better. He's young, but what, what are some of like, what is a difficult, his intricacies show up on a difficult day as how, as what? Oh, screaming, throwing himself on the floor, hitting his head into things. Oh, what about sleep? He actually surprisingly sleeps very well. Yeah, he since a baby though, he's been like the sleepy boy. So like thankful because I know there can be tremendous sleep problems with kids on the spectrum. And we somehow skipped that. So thank the Lord. Just yeah, count the count count the blessings wherever. Yeah, they are. seriously. Cause um, I hear horror stories from like some of the moms at the clinic he goes to and I'm like, not my kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's when I don't know if it's ever good to compare, but you know, there's some things that my son does that are really difficult and that I haven't heard many people have to go through. You know, it's if I want to fall into like the little victim story for myself, like I can, you know, but then I'll hear something that I'm not dealing with and realize, wow, that's pretty cool to not have to deal with that. So right. I guess we get it. We get what we get. 
or what did yeah. they say in kindergarten? Get what you get and you don't get upset or something like that. He'll sleep well. He just can't wear a shirt with a tag in it or put pants on. <laughs> so, I mean. Yeah. Cool. How do you care for yourself with two young kids? It's hard enough, two young kids. And then you put food allergies and autism and husbands out of the country. How do you stay sane or in your um, best self? I meditate. I have a gratitude journal that I write in every morning. It asks you for three things to like be thankful for that day. And I try to like do that first thing in the morning. So it kind of like sets my day off on like, this is what I'm thankful for. And I kind of try to bring that with me throughout the day. I love that. Yeah. I, I think the gratitude journal, we have like, um, I basically put together my life program into something that I teach to parents who want to know who want to like, you know, get clear or, you know, develop some practices that are positive for themselves. And if somebody only wanted to do one thing, I almost think the gratitude journal would be it because it's like what I used to do was wake up and think about everything that didn't work in my life or who I did, you know, who screwed me over or what wasn't working. And that just starts ruminating. And so somebody told me, they said, okay, here's the deal, you know, pick three things. Or write a little paragraph in your gratitude journal. And the first entry should be about the person you're having the biggest difficulties with. So, like, if it was my significant ex, you know, it was like my I'm grateful for. And then you just have to find something, and it really helped change my perspective. It really does because I'll sit there, I'll wake up, I'll have my coffee, I'll sit there with my journal, I'll take a few deep breaths, and then I'll like write in it. Like, and it's just three simple things. It's like. I'm happy that my coffee's hot this morning. Like, it's just something like, man, that throughout the day, if it gets bad, like, man, that cup of coffee was really good this morning. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let's keep going. I love that. I love that. And when did yeah. you do the meditation? The meditation, I actually, to be honest with you, I didn't believe in meditation. And then I started seeing a health coach and she was like, you need to try meditating. It'll like really help you so much. And I was like, this is just like, it sounds so silly. Yeah. And then I did it a few times. I'm like, I'm not good at this. But then I kept doing it. And that just like shutting your eyes and being like present in yourself is so helpful. It takes a while. I'm not going to lie. The first few times I was like, this is not it. But then like I kept doing it and it it helps. I know it sounds so silly, but it helps. I mean, it absolutely completely transformed my life. I mean, from the gutter angry to, I mean, I really think that that is the hugest piece for me. Like if you told me to sit for a minute when I first started, that would be like a punishment, you know, it was just like, right. felt like forever, you know, and I'm just like 10 minutes. I I'd never do that. You know, 20, what are these people doing? What's wrong with these people? Right. Like, what are you, don't you have any like in my head? I'm like, I have better things I can be doing with this 10 minutes than sitting here in silence, like in my head, listening to the ocean. Yes. So you keep doing it. And then you're like, wow, this isn't terrible. And now my daughter does it. My daughter does it too. And she started, she's in a Taekwondo and the master there had them start doing it at the end of their class. And he's like, she's really good at this. And I'm like, we do it at home. I love that. I love hearing about getting the kids involved because I know how much it's meant for me, how it's given me space between 
you know, I hate to like coin Viktor Frankl's, you know, man's search for meaning, but it, like it really gives me the space between stimulus and response is what he said. You know, something happens to me. And before it was just like, I'm a passionate guy from Detroit. Like I just, I know how to react immediately to like every situation and till I realized that that was not a, you know, something yeah. that I should be so proud of. And to have that space has just been like amazing. It's made me a better father. And the different like little tiny incremental whatever you get from meditation, that's how scientifically I can explain it. Unexplainable, but like you, wa I walk away with, I think something good happened or I think there was a good moment. I have no idea what it was, but like those little tidbits each time have added up to be something very special to me and meditation is super special to me. And if I could get the world to do one thing, it would be meditate, but not everybody's asking. So I'm going to start spreading the word, make everyone meditate. Well, we did. We were two people who thought it was just a bunch of hoo-ha who are having. I really did. I honestly did. And I was like, this is like, a crock. I'm not doing it. I'm like, well, let me try it. And now I do it almost every day. So <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, is there something that you believe to be true that most parents disagree with? Huh? I don't know. You don't have to. Sometimes it's funny the things that people come up with, but a lot of times it's just around some of the controversial therapies or whatever, or vaccines or things like that. So we'll pass on that one. So you meditate to care for yourself. You stay connected to family and friends. Is that, did you say that you do? Yeah. What's next on your list for your personal well-being? What do you want to add to your gratitude list in meditation? That I don't know. You're busy I'm with not sure. two kids. Is there a product or service you use for yourself or your kids that you just love and couldn't live without? I think a big service would be um, like different ways to calm them, especially my son, like the learning to do deep pressure techniques with my son. I think that's a service. Does that count as a service? That would count, right? Yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Are yeah, I think that's like life changing. Do those services exist? Well, yeah, you learn to do them yourself. I haven't learned to do them. How do you learn to do them? We like when he's like really stimming or like really out of it, I just take him and I like squeeze him. Not just enough. So it's like deep pressure and it like helps his whole body relax. Like his feet, his hand, almost like a massage, but it's just like in like certain spots. Have you ever tried like weighted blanket or anything like that? I have not. I'm a little hesitant because he does have so many sensory things. So I'm not sure if the blanket on him with the weights is going to be okay for him. So I'm not there yet, but I guess it's almost the same thing, but it's just, it's me doing it instead of the blanket. One of my kids really loves it. I do have to put the disclaimer out there that you do have to be careful with weighted blankets and getting something too heavy or too bit, you know, I don't, so make sure you look into the right size and weight for the size of your child. Have you ever tried any of those, like the zipper sock things that do no. you know about? Yes, no, we haven't. He just, he, getting pants on him is a challenge. So like, I think something like 
that I don't think he's ready or maybe I'm not ready to try it either. Yeah. Because I don't want it to be the thing to set him off for the day. Yeah. Well, I got some of them because I sell on Amazon. So I was going to like start putting some of those products and I got some. And I think the only people that tried them were my typical kids. Something that's unintuitive to me about putting, about putting, you know, putting them in a sock, but. Yeah, that's a little. Um, the swing though, he loves the swing. Like we have swings, like we have a swing set outside. We put um, screws in the basement to hang up a swing during the winter so we can swing him. Like a, a swing that has side, sides all the way around it? No, or? just a regular swing, a regular kitty swing. We found an extra one and we hooked it up to one of the, the ceiling in the basement. And he'll or, hold the ropes on the side? Mm-hmm. He'll hold the ropes or he likes to like hold his hands in and just. Cool. That's one of his happy places. Yeah. That's so I would awesome. say the swing's a big, a big product that I don't think we could live without the swing. Cool. So in the the short, maybe doesn't always seem short time period that you've, you know, kind of been on this journey, have there been any aha moments, something that you know now that you didn't know then that stands out for you that would have helped or that you would hope other parents would figure out before you did? I think a lot of it is to like figure out what his needs are. Like once you figure that out, it's like, okay, he's stimming because like something's off and like not necessarily try to stop him from doing what he needs to do, but learning how to properly like redirect him mm. for it. Like if he's banging his head, how are we going to stop that and make it safe for him and still give him the input that he needs? Like, oh, it's better if we swing him. It's better if we squeeze him. It's better if we, you know, put a pillow on him, you know, things like that. That's kind of like, oh, okay, this is, it's an easy fix. But like when you're stressed out and you're like, oh my God, why is my kid doing this? And then you, as a parent, almost panic because you're like, I don't know what to do. And then once you figure it out, you're like, oh, okay, this was a lot easier than I imagined. Yeah, that's cool. I love those moments. So we do like a lightning round where you give kind of one word to one sentence answers just so we can understand more of your thoughts, opinions, and journeys. Are you up for it? Yeah. What's the best advice you have received? Let them stem. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? I, I kind of, do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? Mm, find a good ABA. What's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? I don't know. That's good. That means, that's good. Sometimes people are like this and this. Um, I don't yeah. know. Like I'm pretty, I'm like, I'm happy with my life. So I don't think I would change anything. Isn't that awesome? Have you always been that way? No, I don't think so. But I think my son had, has autism for a reason. And I think I'm here to be his voice throughout it. And I think it's giving us both something like, it's not a tragedy that I think a lot of people think it is like people are like here, he's on the spectrum and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. But like, what are you sorry for? This is like, it's beautiful. If you think about it, it is. it's stressful. Yes. But like having any kid is stressful. Yes. Yes. It's amazing to me how many things 
I want to work out a certain way that I think the way I think about it in my head, yet my experience in life is that nothing works out the way I thought it was. Right. Why do I continue to try to predict, you know, what I want things to look like? I think your last point is the point I'd like to just kind of close the show with because that would be my wish and prayer for everybody on the planet is that we wouldn't change anything. Um, Right. I know that when I am trying to change things, that's when I am the most stressed out, the least comfortable, the most disappointed with myself. Just every, it's all bad. And, but there's a lot of people that come on the show who are here are engaging to figure out how to fix their kids so that their life can be the good life or the life they want or wanted. Um, Yeah. There's no, there's no fix for this. You just need to find out what works for your child. And I think like once you do that and once you have the resources to do that, then it's so much better for you and your child. Mm -hmm. I agree. So I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And I want to thank you for leaving us with that, that very important point. And that's really the reason I kind of created this show. The show was the show and everything I do is created as my own sort of trying to get out of depression, addiction, all these different things that were rabbit holes that weren't benefiting me to come to find out that the only thing that had to change was me. Right. The only that I needed to change was to stop worrying about everything outside of what's going on and start enjoying right here, right now. Yes, I agree. So I want to thank you, the parents in Naked Parent Nation. Thank you for that reminder. Is there anything from what we talked about or just anything on your heart that you would share with the listeners before we close? I think we covered it all. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I would love if you stayed a friend of the shows and check in down the road and we can get an update and hear how how things are and how New Jersey is and yeah. how life is. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks again, Joelle. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.